Anybody ready for the Word of God today? Amen. Go with me in the Old Testament to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, beginning at verse 11. There came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? Where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. The Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. The Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. Thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Let's pray again. Father, we need your anointing upon the word. It is clear to me and has been for a long time that I can do nothing without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. For these next few moments, Lord, would you just cause the word to come alive in our spirit and in our heart? Would you minister deep into the recesses of every soul that is gathered here today? I believe you have ordained this hour and you have ordained this message. Somebody, this is going to be a defining moment. I pray for many. We give you glory and honor and praise for the Word of God that's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We magnify you in Jesus' precious name. And the church said, Amen. I want to continue for this one more Sunday and kind of helping the hurting. A couple of weeks ago, we talked that life can hand us many hurts. And many of us here have experienced and gone through some difficult times. Last Sunday, we kind of drilled down on the idea of loneliness. Loneliness and how it dishes out a level of misery, and we try to cover over it and shroud it best we can. But I've become convinced over many years of watching the hurting and the struggling that in the life of the believer, quite often it's not the cares of life or the attacks 
of the enemy that keeps us defeated. Quite often what keeps us defeated is our own self-perception, our own self-perspective, our own self-confidence. An extremely important key to living a victorious life begins with the understanding that God believes in you. And that as God believes in you, you need to believe in yourself. And as you believe in yourself, you need to continue to believe in yourself. This coming July, I will have been preaching 31 years. And the very first passage of Scripture that I ever preached from still is heavy in my heart today. It's still a needful reminder today. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. The Scripture admonishes us to cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. I ask myself, and talking with the Lord, will today be the day that people leave their place of hiding and insecurity? Will today be the day that you step up to the plate and accept the best that God has for you? Or will it just be another Sunday, another service where you leave out and you continue to remain in hiding and you fail to experience what abundant, victorious living is really all about. In the passage before us, we see because of the evil of the children of Israel, God had turned them over to the oppression of the Midianites. This oppression would last seven years. It would last a long, long time. It was, it was so bad that the Jews, the Israel, Israeli people, would, would hide in the caves of the mountains. They would hear that the Midianites were coming and they would flee everything. The Midianites would come in as raiders and bandits and they would steal and destroy the crops of the Jews. The Bible says that Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, not due to drought or famine, but due to the enemy. The Scripture says the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And you see that God hears their prayers, and He goes and He finds a man by the name of Gideon. Now, this call of Gideon is no, not going to be a, 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 just a common call. This is no common work. The Jews are slaves. They're discouraged. They're defeated. They're disheartened. They're disillusioned and disturbed, and they're just about destroyed. But thanks be unto God, God had a man. I read nowhere where he was a muscle-bound person. I read nowhere where he was greatly influential or political or was oozing with charisma. He was simply a man that God believed in. That's the message this morning. God believes in you. That is the loud and clear signal that the Lord has sent me to say to every person listening to this preacher today. 
He's not looking for you to be some kind of an inanimate object, some robot that is programmed to do his bidding. He's not looking for you to be a clone of someone else. He is much less interested in your ability as he is more interested in your availability. There's a statement found in the Bible, and it's a statement that God says to every one of us today. He said, I am looking for a man. I am looking for one that will among them to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. God is looking for you. He's looking for men and women and young people, no matter what their past looks like. Well, pastor, you don't know my past. Well, pastor, you don't know my flaws. Pastor, you don't know my personality. Some people disqualify themselves because of their personality. Personality today, friend, is not a hindrance. Several years ago, I was exposed, as I'm sure many of you have, maybe through the workplace, but I was exposed to a couple of personality profiles. And I learned that most of all of us are one of four personalities. They sound like they're complicated words, but their definitions are, are very easy to understand. So these four personalities, everyone in the room is going to fall into one of these four personalities. The first one's called a phlegmatic. That person is a very passive personality. They kind of take life as it comes. Very even, kind of even keeled, if you will. And then you have a personality called the choleric or choleric personality. That personality is a very impassioned soul. They're very intense. They're very fiery, very focused, and, and, and can be sort of fiery even in their temperament. And then there is the personality called melancholy. The melancholy one is the calculator. They're the contemplator. They're the one who must have structure and order, and you have to convince them by giving them all the facts and the statistics. You know they want, they want to know uh, the tip. They're the one that tips to the penny. And so maybe you're that melancholy person today. Then there is the sanguine. That, that's me. I fall into that category. I like to have a good time. I like to enjoy others. You know, don't worry. Be happy. And quite often, because of my personality, I miss deadlines that I'm supposed to get to because I'm I caught up in a moment. That's four different personalities. But can I tell you, no one personality is better than the other. And God uses each and every personality the way he created you. Uh, I could take you to places throughout the Bible, and I could show you all four of those personalities, and God used every one of them in a mighty way. And then a little while after that, I took a, a leadership uh, a survey uh, on leadership style. And let me just go ahead and tell you that leadership style should not be a hindrance to God using you in the kingdom of the Lord. This was called a DISC survey, D-I-S-C. Some of you have taken that in the workplace as well. It helps you identify who you are as a leader. D stands for dominant. Anybody knows, I'm not going to ask, show your hands. You may know someone that's dominant. They're aggressive. Everyone in the room, they kind of take charge of the room. When they walk into the room, they have that personality about them. They're, they're, everyone knows they're in charge. Then there's the one, the I stands for influence. They have a lot of charisma, and therefore they have 
pull with people that he or she is leading. An influential person is a very relational individual. And then you have leaders that are S leaders. That stands for steady. That means they're even keeled. Circumstances never dictate their mood or consistency. Smooth sailing that leaves the rest of us speechless. Everybody else is up in arms and the steady folks are just taking it as it comes. And then finally you have the C people. These are compliant people. They never bend the rules. Strict adherence to the observance of the letter of the law. These are leadership styles. But I'm going to tell you just like personality profiles, leadership styles, the same thing. It should not hinder you from doing what God has created and called you to do. None of them are good. None of them are bad. They're just different. And the truth is, every one of us fall into these categories. I'll tell you one more that Sandra and I took years ago, and it was called the Discipleship Leadership Profile. Basically, it was of the 12 disciples that Jesus called, and he called all kinds of different uh, personalities. And as Sandra and I took this personality profile together, she came out as a Simon Peter. Isn't that something? She was a Simon Peter. You know, Simon Peter was, let's get the job done. Let's get the goal accomplished. If there's casualties, we're not worried about it. We've got a mission. We've got to get the thing done. I took mine, and it was Andrew. And Andrew was just the opposite of Peter. Even though he was his brother, Andrew was the guy that says, let's all do it together. Don't lose anyone. We may not make it to the goal on time, but we'll not lose anyone in the process. She's not here today because she's in quarantine for a standard medical procedure tomorrow. So I am not getting the devilish look because that camera is one way. Hello, dear. I love you anyway. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, if you studied all the disciples of Jesus, they're all different personalities. What I'm trying to convey to you today, to young people and adults and college A's, is that no matter your makeup, no matter your personality, no matter your leadership style, you, friend, are of divine design, and you, friend, are chosen of the Lord for great and mighty purposes. I try to get my mind around the perspective here, and let me give you my first admission. It is overwhelming to me that the God of the universe universe, the God that is so vast and so awesome and so powerful would want to or choose to have a relationship with me. He sits upon the circle of the earth. The heaven of heavens cannot contain him. The world can easily be his footstool. If you leave one solar system and go to the next, if you leave one galaxy and enter a thousand more galaxies and solar systems, you still have not reached the end of God. The creator is endless. And on the opposite end of that spectrum, at the very 
best, at the very best, you and I are as minuscule in comparison to God as a speck of sand, a single speck of sand that you find at the ocean front. It is overwhelming. It is humbling to wrap my mind about, around that and to process that. And yet somehow, I don't know how he does it, and yet somehow this infinite God has chosen to dwell inside of us. He has chosen to have a relationship with us through his son Jesus and through his Holy Spirit from heaven. How awesome is that? You want to know exactly what the Bible says? You can find it in Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15 and it says it like this, the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, inhabits from galaxy to galaxy. His name is holy. He dwells in the high and the holy place and yet he dwells with him who is also of a contrite and a humble spirit. Oh, I don't know what it does for you sometimes when I get down to pray, Sister Susan, and I realize how vast and how large and how endless and how infinite he is and then how finite and how small and how much of a speck of sand I am. It is almost too much to be able to process. But then a balanced perspective hits me square between the eyes. Admission number two, he loves me. Uh, he has confidence in me. He has chosen me. Whatever your personality and your leadership qualities, your physical makeup, you are chosen by the Lord, the creator, the sustainer for great purposes. John 15 and 16 said it best. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I ordained you that you would go and bear much fruit and that your fruit would remain and when your fruit remains you can ask whatever you will in my name and the Father will give it unto you. I've come by to preach to someone. Don't expect your confidence from this world. He said I have chosen you out of the world therefore the world hates you. I'm telling you it's time to shun the worldly mindset. Shut down. Shut out. Shut up the worldly mindset and realize who you are in Jesus Christ. God believes in you no matter who you are. God has chosen you. God has called you personally. Gideon had a worldly mindset. He said, I'm the least in my poor family. I'm part of a divided tribe. There's no famous lineage. We're unknown of. We're unheard of. But thanks be unto God, Gideon didn't have the final word. God had the final word. And I will not allow you to leave this sanctuary this morning believing the lie of the devil. No matter whose tongue has been flapping to tell you how much you've messed up and how worthless you are and recounting all your past failures, God's word to Gideon, it's God's word to every single one of you. The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, mighty woman of valor. You shall save Israel. Have I not sent you? God believes in you. And on that day, it was a defining moment. Two things were awakened in Gideon. Now watch this. The first 
he needed a thorough trust in God. He needed to abandon himself and trust God. And secondly, he needed a proper trust in himself. That happened that day. He had to make a decision. He'd been hiding. He'd been hiding in the wine press, threshing wheat. You don't thresh wheat in the wine press. The reason why he's threshing wheat in the wine press is because he is afraid. (laughs) But that moment, that defining moment, Gideon would go on to judge Israel for 40 years. That defining moment, Gideon is talked about more than any other judge that God chose. That defining moment led Gideon to whip enemies of vast numbers on one occasion with a a small band of 300 men. And you know what their weapons were? Trumpets, pitchers, and lanterns. And the anointing of Almighty God. God wanted to confound the wise, so he chose the foolish. God wanted to break the mighty, the powerful, so he chose the weak. (laughs) You see, here's, here's how we think, because it's a worldly mindset. But God doesn't form an opinion on how he finds you. He knows we're messed up. Every one of us, we're messed up in sin. There's none righteous, no, not one. He doesn't form an opinion on how he finds you. He has a calling on your life. And so at some point, you got to get to a place where you lay aside the whining and the excuses and the pity parties and the woe is me retreats and say, bless God like Gideon, God has called me to be a mighty man or woman of valor. I am somebody. Not because of who I am, but because of whose I am. Because I belong to him. And I will rise to his estimation of me. (laughs) This is where you say hallelujah and praise the Lord and glory to God. I will rise to his estimation of me. He found him hiding in the wrong place, and he still called him a mighty man of valor. Now, I know there are conceited men and women, young people, who value themselves too highly, and they're over the top, and they're ready to take on rash enterprises for which they are not ready, and they typically fall flat on their faces. And they don't learn until they do. They have to go through the school of hard knocks. And that's how God speaks to them. But I also know there are good and able men and women and young people that are just like this man of God who are not aware of their own power through Christ. And they are in danger of neglecting the high calling of God in a spirit of false humility or excessive modesty, or hiding behind a cloak of apathy or an uncaring disposition. 
there is that that's inside of every one of us. It is the power of God. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. It's already there. You and I are the ones that's keeping it squashed. You and I are the ones that are keeping it tempered. Paul would say to Timothy, Timothy, stir up the gift that is within you, that was given to you by the laying on of hands. It's inside of you. It's time to let it out. You have to rise up. You have to act. You have to dare. You have to take a chance. You have to do something that God has called you to do. If you're not careful, you're going to turn into a dead sea. Taking in much but giving out little. And then you'll wonder years from now, months from now, why you've dried up like a prune. Rise up, speck of sand. <laughs> Lock arms with your speck of sand pastor. And understand that though you are a speck of sand, you have the God of the universe living inside of you. And he has called you to great things for his glory. First thing you've got to do is you've got to leave the wine press. You've got to leave it. Verse 11. Gideon, you're not supposed to be, you're not in the barn, you're not in the threshing floor, but you're, you're, you're by the wine press. His logic is, I've got to eat, so I'll make the wine press my place of hiding, and I will work there. Don't you know God found him? You got to leave the wine press. In another place, in the Word of God, they looked for young Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 10. They were going to anoint him king. This was the permissive will of God, not the perfect will of God, the permissive will of God. But when they went looking for this man that was head and shoulders taller than everyone else, you know where they found him? The scripture says they found him hid among the stuff. He was hid among the stuff. Can I tell you, it's time to quit hiding among the stuff. You got to leave the wine press. You got to quit hiding among the stuff. This man was head and shoulders taller than anyone else, a brute of a man, and yet he felt puny on the inside. You got to leave the wine press. You got to quit hiding among the stuff. And thirdly and finally, you got to magnify God's call instead of your own inabilities. This happened twice. God goes to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, and in chapter 4, Moses responds, I can't speak. Moses magnified his inabilities instead of magnifying his God and the call upon his life. 
And you know, I've looked at this several times, but did you know when he finally relented and said, I'll go as long as you send Aaron, my brother, with me, let Aaron be the mouthpiece, you go back and you look, and you'll find that Moses would be doing a lot of the dialogue with Pharaoh. But in the beginning, he was magnifying his inabilities over the call of God upon his life. Jeremiah did the same thing. He said, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot, I cannot speak, for I am but a child. And the Bible says the Lord put forth his hand, and he touched him. And when he touched him, something supernatural took place. And there would come a time just shortly down the road where he wasn't going to talk at all. But the Bible says he had fire shut up in his bones, and he literally became weary with forbearing. Why? Because the Lord had touched him. But in the beginning, he was magnifying his inabilities over the call of God. God believed in Gideon. And Moses and Saul and Jeremiah and God believes in you. There comes a time when you no longer hide at the wine press and you no longer bury yourself in the stuff of this world. There comes a time when you no longer magnify your inabilities over your call. Or you magnify what you cannot do over what you can. Get a grip. Look at your neighbor and say, get a grip. Now, repeat this after me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now give the Lord praise if you mean it. Oh, Lord Jesus. I just read this week that believers are going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to give an account for everything we've done while we were on this earth. And I would hate to think that because I lived in a woe is me self-retreat all of my Christian days, that there would be no rewards when I stand at the throne of heaven. It's time to leave the wine press. It's time to quit hiding among the stuff. It's time to quit magnifying your flaws over God's call. Man, it's good preaching today, Pastor. You can run from your call, but you cannot outrun the God of your call. The Lord has found you this morning. He wants to tell you that He loves you. He wants to tell you that He believes in you. He wants to tell you that He's begun a good work inside of you. And if you will allow Him the work that He has started, He will complete There was another judge, thank you, Holy Spirit. There was another judge in the Word of God in, in, in that same book. And it's always bothered me. The one verse says, when Samson was called, the scripture says, he began 
to deliver Israel. I never read where he completed his work. I never read where he finished his call. Is this you? I'm here. I'm flesh and blood. I have my own perfections. I'm certainly not the angel of the Lord like the one that was sent to Gideon, but I do come with the same message. You are men and women of valor. Leave the wine press. Leave the stuff. Fulfill your call. And live abundantly in Jesus' name. Mm. I'm going to be very pointed today. As the music begins to play softly, I'm going to be very pointed Because in this room are people who have fractured confidences, bruised confidences, maybe even shattered confidences. As, as your pastor has been directed by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to identify some wine presses that people are hiding in today. And if this describes you, I, I, I sense in my spirit that today some folks are going to leave the wine press once and for all. I'm going to pray first. I want you to pray with me, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, is, is this me? Is he getting ready to call me from a wine press of identification? I want you to pray, my Lord, Jesus, Lord, you, I know what you have dealt with my spirit about. There are people in this room, there are people watching online, their confidences are shattered, fractured, bruised, Today, Lord, you want me to be very pointed and very deliberate. I'm going to do that, Holy Spirit, as you have directed. If you're here this morning, and this wine press describes you, when I get to it, when I say it, because I'm going to be very deliberate, I want you to get up from your seat. I want you to come and stand around this altar with a determination. You're leaving, you're leaving the wine press today. There's people that are battling with a wine press of doubt. You simply don't believe in yourself anymore. Are you here? Come on. There's people in this room that are dealing with the wine. You're hiding in the wine press of the past. It continues to haunt you. It continues to come up in your memory bank. Maybe you're in the room today and you're dealing with the wine press of broken relationships. And that has left you feeling very vulnerable.
Are you going to be honest with God and leave that wine press today and walk in the victory and live in the abundant life He intended for you to live in? Maybe it's the wine press of church hurts. Others have wounded you and you've been holding on to it a few weeks, a few months, a few years. It's time. Maybe it's the wine press of habitual sins. You keep falling. You say, there's no way God can love me. I keep giving in to that addiction, to that sin. I have so many imperfections and I keep messing it up. I'm trying. So therefore, it's better to just hide in the shadows in the wine presses. Maybe you're here and it's the wine press of insecurity. You feel unsafe. You literally feel like your life is in jeopardy. And it's put you on your heels and it has you hiding. And then the last one, the wine press of low self-esteem. I'm no one of value. Have I described a wine press or maybe one or two or three in your life? Are you going to walk out of here again today continuing to thresh your wheat at the wine press, letting the enemy, letting your own thoughts and other people's opinions keep you under thumb? The enemy's had you there much too long. It's time to say God believes in me. And I will believe in myself and live in the victory that he has destined me for. Holy Spirit, deal with the hearts of your people right now. God believes in me. God believes in me. I need a thorough trust in God and a proper trust in myself. Come on, is there others? Come on, is there others? God, <laughs> the creator of the universe, the sustainer of my existence, he believes in me. He has called me. He has chosen me. someone up here that you feel like you need to come and put a hand on their shoulder so that they're not in this they're not breaking out of this wine press on their own come on come on come on I'm leaving the wine press of doubt low self-esteem I'm leaving the wine press of my vulnerabilities 
God's going to help me because he's called me. God's going to help me because he's chosen me. God loves me. God believes in me. Therefore, I will, I will believe in myself. I've been called and chosen and brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Oh, this is just you and God. This is just you and your Father. This is you and your Lord right now. <laughs> the enemy's had me hiding in the wine press long enough. I'm coming out today. I'm coming out today. May emotional healing flow over this house this morning. Thank you, sweet Holy Spirit, for reminding us that we are to forget those things which are behind. They're under the blood. They are forgiven. They are forgotten. We are chosen of the Lord. We are chosen of the Lord. <laughs> We're called of God. I've had my confidence bruised and shattered and broken and fractured. 